Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Backstage having a little chat there. Next thing you know, it's time to talk to you. What a day. What a day. Let's pray. Father, we started out singing a song today called House of Miracles, and that's where we stand. That's where we sit right now. Jesus, I'm not going to pray for your presence because I am sure that you've gone before us into this spectacular moment. Thank you for the plans that you have, God. I pray that I would faithfully deliver everything you gave me to speak, and I pray that we would, I am sure that we will see miracles today. We love you and we thank you in your name. Everybody said? Amen, amen. So we're on this journey through the 21 chapter Gospel of John, and we find ourselves today right in the middle of five chapters devoted to the events that have come to be known as the Last Supper. And the reason why God inspired John to spend five chapters on just the Last Supper is because the words that Jesus spoke that night, the instructions that Jesus gave that night, are every bit as applicable to you and me today as they were to the people in that room 2,000 years ago. So let's jump in. John chapter 15, starting at verse 18. If you find the godless world is hating you, remember it, God had started hating me. If you lived on the world's terms, the world would love you as one of its own. But since I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's terms, the world is going to hate you. When that happens, remember this. Servants don't get better treatment than their masters. If they beat on me, they will certainly beat on you. If they did what I told them, they will do what you tell them. They're going to do all these things to you because of the way they treated me, because they don't know the one who sent me. If I hadn't come and told them all this in plain language, it wouldn't be so bad. As it is, they have no excuse. Hate me, hate my father, it's all the same. If I hadn't done what I have done among them, works no one has ever done, they wouldn't be to blame. But they saw the God signs and hated anyway, both me and my father. Interesting, they have verified the truth of their own scriptures where it is written, They hated me for no good reason. When the friend I plan to send you from the Father comes, the spirit of truth issuing from the Father, he will confirm everything about me. You too, from your side, must give your confirming evidence since you are in this with me from the start. We parked on this passage for three weeks. Jesus is talking about the relationship that people who follow him will have with the world. Specifically, he explains three truths we must be aware of when it comes to relating to the world. Last week, we talked about truth number one. This world will hate you. Next week, I want to talk about truth number three. This world will need you. But today, I want to talk about the fact that this world will let you down. Jesus said, if you live by the world's terms, this world will love you. If you live by the world's terms, this world will love you. The ways of the world. The older you get, the wiser you get to the ways of the world, you know? I first learned about the ways of the world when I was five years old on my first day of grade one. 
There's a picture I look at sometimes of me waiting for the school bus on that first day of grade one. I got on this white summer jacket with different colored bicycles all over it. I'm carrying a Snoopy lunch kit. And you can just tell by my body language, I am stoked. I have the highest of hopes. I was very feeling very grown up and very sure that school was going to be incredible and the school bus was going to be awesome. So about five minutes after little five-year-old Mike Manis got on the school bus, I began to learn about the ways of the world. See, according to the ways of the world, there are winners in the world and there are losers. And what I found out on that school bus on my very first day was that I was a loser. There were some older kids on that school bus who decided that for me. Now, I don't know what it was about me. Maybe it was the way I looked. Maybe it was my bicycle jacket. Maybe it was my Snoopy lunch kit. Maybe it was the way that I carried myself. Maybe it was something going on in their lives. But on that particular day, they educated me about the ways of the world. There are winners, but there are also losers, and you are a loser. So every day, every single day, they would call me names, they would throw things at me, they would spit on me, they would hit me. I hated that bus. Every morning, I would be so nervous to see what was going to happen on that school bus on that particular day. I was going to ask this question, can you relate? But the answer to that is, yeah, you can. Absolutely, you can. So let me ask it this way, how can you relate? If you look back at your life, what are the moments, what are the seasons, what are the experiences where you went from having the highest of hopes to having a broken heart? It's amazing the difference eight hours can make. I went from a little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket, a Snoopy lunch kit, and the highest of hopes. Eight hours later, a little boy with a bicycle jacket, a Snoopy lunch kit, and a broken heart, just like that. You can relate. There's been a moment, there's been an experience, there's been a season when you had the highest expectations and they were shattered. You learned about the ways of this world. There are winners and there are losers. Hated that school bus, you know? The ride home every day after school was worse than the ride to school. Had a migraine headache every day. I remember sitting on the stupid bus, leaning my forehead against the relative cool of the glass, trying to find some comfort. And in between the ride to school and the ride home from school was school. Okay, kind of obvious, all right? So in the middle of school, school is interesting. School is really interesting because school is a part of our world, right? The, the ways of this world include school. Now, I'm not looking to say bad stuff about school, but it's a very interesting concept, you know? Because you step into school, and school has its own kind of rules. School tells people, this is what a winner looks like, and this is what a loser looks like. This is what a successful person looks like, and this is what a failure looks like, right? This is what a promising young man or promising young woman looks like, and this is what a lost cause looks like. Now, I don't know what school is like exactly right now, but back when I was in grade one, there were certain things that promising young people did, what they, how they acted, right? They always paid attention. They always sat still, and they never, ever, 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 ever talked when the teacher was talking. Well, that was an issue for me. I was an ADHD kid. I couldn't do any of those three things. 
So through my experience on the school bus and at school itself, I figured out at five years old that according to the ways of this world, there are winners, but I'm a loser. There are successful people, but I'm a failure. There are promising young men and promising young women, but I'm a lost cause. In fact, even in those years, five, six, seven years old, I could tell, I could tell that the teachers I had, man, if they could have picked any other kid in the world to be in their class instead of me, they would have gone with any other kid. I see some nodding heads. You're like, yeah, I remember. My teachers felt the same way. Okay, I got you. So I was taught, according to the ways of the world, there's lovable people, and then there's unlovable people like me. But then you get older, right? And you start to learn. You become wiser to the ways of this world. I remember my first day of grade seven, brand new school in grade seven, you know? And I did something, probably something really stupid, but there was a teacher at that school, and she got mad. On day one, new school, I'm in grade seven. I'm in a 32-person grade seven, eight split class, and she got mad. What I mean by that is she broke a yardstick over my desk. And then she grabbed me and hauled me up to the front of the class. She made fun of me, and then she slapped me. Now, there's two kinds of people in the world, right? According to the ways of the world, right? Winners and losers. I wasn't in grade one anymore. I had become wise to the ways of the world. So in that moment, I made a subconscious decision. It was this. I will destroy your life. Someone asked me the other day, man, when did you first find out, Mike, that you are a leader? I don't know about that. But when I look back at my life, I can figure out moments when I realized I was actually pretty persuasive. I could talk people into stuff. Grade seven was a great example. See, I made a decision that if there's two kinds of people in the world, winners and losers, I must win. So I'm going to make her life miserable. But not just me. I'm going to convince all 32 of the people in this class to join me in that quest. And together, we will make her life miserable. It got so bad, by the way, that near the beginning of grade eight, we had a meeting. The principal called a meeting. The principal and this teacher, it was my mom and me. And the principal said something along the lines of this. Hey, I think mistakes have been made on both sides. There's a lot of water under the bridge. So what we need to do is we need to turn the page. Let bygones be bygones. Let's move forward and let's have a great year together. And I think I said something like this. Awesome. I love it. I am so into that. I left the meeting and redoubled my efforts to make her life as miserable as I possibly could. You want to know why? Because in that meeting, there wasn't four people. There was five. It was my mom, the principal, the teacher, me, and a little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket and a Snoopy lunch kit and a broken heart. And listen, he was terrified. Terrified people, by the way, are terrifying. Terrified people are terrifying. When I was in grade 11, I turned 16 years old, had a buddy named Jason. He turned 17 two months after I turned 16. Something interesting with Jason 
was when he turned 16 in Red Deer, Alberta. By the way, in Red Deer back in those days in Alberta, the day you turned 16, you could go in and get your full unrestricted license. So incredibly frightening, but we loved it, okay, back in, back in the day. So, so anyways, Jason goes in when he turned 16 to get his license, and the motor, motor vehicle people made a mistake. They put his, his year of birth one year too early. So when Jason is 16, his license says he's 17. We didn't care. But when he turned 17, his license said he was 18. Pivotal moments in people's life. The drinking age in Alberta was 18. Okay, so we started going to the bar PDQ, like right away. Jason and I looked quite a bit alike. We had a buddy named Rich who looked like us too. It was the mullets, okay? So this is what we would do. Jason would walk up to the bar. The bouncer would say, could I see some ID? Jason would show his ID. He would walk in. He would hand his license back to me. I would show Jason's ID. I would walk in, and I would hand the license back to Richard. And Rich would show the ID and walk in. Now, as far as I know, none of the bouncers who worked at the clubs in Red Deer during that era ever made it into Mensa, which is the International Society for Geniuses. However, I should probably say this, that neither me or any of my friends have made it into Mensa either, so there is that. Now, my best buddy, Grant King, he didn't look like us, but Grant could do anything. So Grant took his license and he doctored it. You know, I don't know exactly what Grant did, who knows what Grant did sometimes, but it was like scotch tape, a manual typewriter, and a laminating machine. But anyways, he got it, okay? So we're all in this together. And I remember about week two of being at the bar. I'm 16 years old, and I'm walking through a bar in Red Deer called Ezzy's. Ezzy's, real classy establishment, I'm sure. So I'm walking through, and I see one of the guys who used to pick on me on the school bus. Now, the last time he saw me, I was about seven years old. He doesn't recognize me at all but I recognize him. So I make a beeline towards him. Instead of going shoulder to shoulder with him, I go shoulder to the center of his chest, okay? So he goes sprawling across the bar. Next thing I know, we're in the parking lot and we're fighting. Now, I don't know what the culture was like for you growing up, but for me in Red Deer, Alberta in that era, when there was a fight in the parking lot, the bar cleared out, okay? So the entire bar is out there and we're fighting. I'm 16, he's about 24, 25 years old. I'm not doing well at all. He cut me, I remember, he cut me over my left eye, I'm bleeding, but I threw a punch and I caught him on the side of the head and he fell down. And I got on top of him and I was hitting him and 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 hitting him until a couple guys pulled me off. And I remember, remember what people started saying after that moment was this, you gotta be careful with Mike Manis. He flips the switch, man. He's got a mean streak. He turns into Psycho Mike. But I knew what was going on. See, that night in the parking lot at Essie's, there was someone standing right behind me during that fight. It was a little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket and a Snoopy lunch kit and a broken heart, and he was terrified. Terrified people are terrifying. So go walking back into the bar, and one of the bouncers, we called him Curly, because he had no hair. 
He had no hair because he used way too many steroids. Okay, that's exactly why. So if you are using steroids currently or thinking about using steroids, you should probably know, here's a PSA for you. They will make your hair fall out. And it is by far the least serious of the things that will happen to you physically if you use steroids. End of PSA. Okay, so we're walking in and Curly kind of pulls me aside and he's giving me like fighting tips. Hey man, you threw a lot of punches, but you gotta aim better. I remember he said that. And so he's like, I'm Rocky and he's Mickey or something like that, right? We're having this moment, Curly and me. We go walking into the bar and, and, and a few girls came walking up to me. This actually happened. And they handed me their phone numbers on pieces of paper. And I'm thinking, ways of the world, I'm killing it. There's winners and there's losers. You know what a winner looks like? A winner is standing beside Curly, the bald-headed bouncer, collecting phone numbers from girls. You know what a loser looks like? It's a guy in the parking lot, bleeding. In grade 12, I got a girlfriend. Looking back now, she was way, 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 way too good for the person I was back then. I ended up breaking up with her. The reason I broke up with her is because I was living life with a little sidekick at that time, a little five-year-old boy, bicycle jacket, Snoopy lunch kit, broken heart, and he was looking at her saying, um, you need to fix me. Why can't you fix me? I, I feel like a loser, a failure, and a lost cause. Why can't you make that go away? I feel unlovable. Why can't you make me feel truly loved? I feel so completely terrified. Why can't you bring me peace? And of course, of course, of course she couldn't, so we broke up with her. By the time we were 18 years old, all our buddies had like steady full-time girlfriends, except for me and Grant. I didn't have a steady girlfriend. What I, what I did have, however, is I had a number of girls who I would hang out with depending on where we were partying on any given night. One of the shocking things for me is as I wrote this sermon, and I felt like I was supposed to tell you this story, is that I don't remember any of their names. We had nicknames for them, you know? I remember some of their nicknames, Cowboy Boot Girl, Fake Tan Girl, Mini Skirt Girl, Coat Check Girl, and Fiero Girl. As you can see, we were high-level nicknamers. We had really a lot of imagination. So what I really, 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 really wanted was validation. It kind of makes sense that I don't remember their name because at that time, at that time, they weren't people to me. They were a means to an end. Please, please, please validate me. You say, well, Mike, were you using these girls for sex? Interestingly, not really. See, as a kid, someone had told me once that if you are a guy and you have sex with a girl you're not married to, that really, really hurts her. And for some reason, that stuck with me which is sort of funny when I think about it because the life I was, I, I was hurting people daily and yet for some reason I, I didn't do this. So what I would do, I was so incredibly hungry for validation that what I would do is I would uh, get to the point where a girl would make it very, very clear that she wanted to have sex with me 
and then I would run. He said, what do you mean by run, Mike? Like, you would distance yourself emotionally? No, in some cases, I mean I actually ran away. Like over fences through forest, run, forest, run type running is what, exactly what I'm talking about. So what was going on? Oh, it's easy for me to explain now. My emotional need for validation was exponentially higher than my physical need for pleasure. Just wanted to be validated. According to the ways of the world, by the time I hit 19 years old, if you would have seen me, I definitely would have carried myself like someone who thought, who was pretty convinced that I was winning. Really secure, really confident, you know, everything together. But inside, things were getting worse instead of better, which is so annoying. Remember my best buddy, Grant, he got a job building stores in malls all across Canada. San Francisco stores, if anyone here remembers San Francisco stores. High level stuff in there, okay? So, so uh, Jason's, or Grant's building these San Francisco stores, so he's gone all the time. And, and I remember Grant was gone so much, and I looked around at all my other friends in Red Deer, and they liked me, at least it felt like to me, they liked me about as much as I liked myself, which was not very much at all. And so I remember, I'm 19 years old, and I'm back in Ezzy's. Bunch of us, probably 20 of us, went to Ezzy's that night. Everyone else eventually heads out, goes home. That's what people do, not me. I'm sticking around because I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. I stay, and I stay, and I stay, and I stay, and I stay, until finally I'm by myself. The bar closes at, what, 2.33 a.m.? Gotta go, gotta go, bar's closed. I remember walking out of the bar and somewhere along the line I had lost my jacket, so I'm walking up the south hill of Red Deer in the middle of January and I'm just freezing cold. It's just a terrible moment. You know what makes it worse? There's this little sidekick, this five-year-old kid with a bicycle jacket and a Snoopy lunch kit and a broken heart and he's looking at me going, why can't you fix me? I need your help. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. I've tried everything that I can think of trying. And it's not getting better. It's getting worse. I give up. And I called out to God in that moment, and he saved me. And he did for me what I could never, ever, ever do for myself. See, here's the thing about the ways of the world. The losers lose, you know. The losers lose in the ways of the world, but my experience is this, so do the winners. Then when it comes to the fundamental needs deep down inside of me, I need more than this world has to offer. And so what I would wanna ask you right now is how have you been experiencing this world? What are the moments that you've walked through, those seasons when you went from the highest of hopes to the moment of broken hearts. You anxious? Terrified? Discontented? Angry? Jealous? Discouraged? Depressed? How are you doing? 
And I know you're a lot more refined than 19-year-old Mike Mattis was. At least I sure hope you are. But how have you been trying to fix yourself? Is it money? Power, popularity? Success? Pleasure? Sex, houses, cars, reputation? Or, or maybe it's relationships. You just roll through one relationship after another and you're looking at this person to fix you, but they can't any more than you can. So I wanna tell you something. I'm so sorry if you're watching online right now or you're here in person. I'm so sorry that you're so frustrated. But I wanna say to you that that frustration is a gift from God because what you're really feeling right now is you're feeling a call, you're feeling a pull that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has stepped into this spectacular moment. He's gone before you. And what I wanna tell you today, what I believe he wants me to tell you today is this. What you can't do for yourself, he can. He can, he did it for me. See, Jesus came and he died on a cross so that our hurts can be healed. Even the hurts from little five-year-old you. He died so that your sins could be forgiven because here's the truth, if you're anything like me, there's been times in your life that you've been terrified and there's been times in your life that you've been terrifying, right? See, Jesus died so that you can live a fresh start, a new beginning. It all starts now. And he rose again so that we can too. Above it all, above this world and its patterns where if you lose, you lose, and if you win, you lose. Something way better, life, 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 today, tomorrow, and forever. I got one more thing that I wanna do in the sermon, but before I get to that, I wanna take a moment of reflection right now. If you don't mind, if you're comfortable, could you close your eyes and bow your head? Everything that needed to be done for new and eternal life has been done by Jesus. So I'm just gonna ask you real simply, if you're watching online or if you're here in person and today is the day that you wanna take hold and ask Jesus to do for you what you can't do for you, what no one besides him can do for you, can you just raise your hand right now because I wanna pray for you. Nice and high if you don't mind. Amazing. If you're online and it's safe to do so, you raise your hand right where you are too. Something powerful but an outward expression of that inward commitment. Okay, if your hands are up, you can put them down. I'm gonna pray out loud and just invite you to pray quietly along with me. So Jesus, thank you. But I come to you sincerely right now and I ask for your help. I ask for your help. And I pray that you could make me new, a new beginning, a fresh start, that you would begin to heal my hurts Forgive my sins. Thank you that you died so that I can live and you rose so I can too. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. One more thing I want to talk about. 
because as I was writing this sermon, I asked myself, okay, but listen, I've been following Jesus for years now. Why is it, why is it that that five-year-old little boy with a bicycle jacket and the Snoopy lunch kit and the broken heart, he still shows up sometimes. And I want to suggest to you that I believe that he's going to keep showing up until I step into eternity. And I want to explain that for you if you're anything like me and, and, and you've been following Jesus. Maybe you've been coming to church for a month or, 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 or a year or decades, you know. Earlier the band quoted a verse out of the New Testament of the Bible, Romans 8, verse 28. It says this, and we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. We know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. So in other words, this world doesn't work, but God's at work. So in a sense, the world is playing checkers and God's playing chess because listen, listen, this is the promise of God. It's big. Probably need like six months to preach on it, but I'm gonna try to do it in like three minutes. This is the promise. He didn't cause, my experience on the school bus, he didn't cause that. But the promise is, he's gonna somehow use it for my good. And the moments that I've had that I'm ashamed of, where I wasn't terrified, I was terrifying. It wasn't his will, he didn't cause that. But he promises that as I turn to him, as I receive his healing and his forgiveness. And, and I, by the way, healing is a journey. It might involve counseling. It might involve all kinds of things, support, small group, prayer. But step by step, what he's going to do is he's going to take even the bad. And he's going to make something good out of it. I'll give you a couple quick examples. So the other day we're driving, and I'm like you, right? I got good days and bad days. And I said to my wife, Corinne, I said, Corinne, I don't know. <laughs> I think I said something like this. What if I run out of things to talk about, you know? Should I really be preaching? And she looked at me, and she said this. She said, you know what, Mike, first of all, Stop talking like that, okay, something. Okay, and, and, and then she said, when you step into eternity, you're gonna see Jesus. And this is what he's gonna say. He's gonna say, hey, little buddy. Hey, little buddy. We had a good thing going, didn't we? I gave you the words to say, and you just said them. One of the great things about living the life that I lived is I never run out of sermon illustrations. I don't love talking about my red deer days. And so when I come to a sermon and God makes it kind of clear, hey, you're supposed to speak on this, I'm not always like, yeah, yeah, great. Let's talk about coat check girl. That's gonna make me look great. First service this morning. Service ends, I get a text from one of our guest experience staff, and she says, you'll never guess what happened. 
out of all the weeks, out of all the weeks in the world, a kid named Oliver shows up. Never been here before. Oh, you know why? He just moved. See, this stuff doesn't even surprise me anymore. You know where he just moved from? Just guess. You know why he moved? He had to get out, man. He was in trouble. He just walked through these doors on this day. Oh, he'll be back next week. If you're not signed up for 101 yet, Oliver will be 101. You need to make sure you give him a hard time. Call him a redneck from Red Deer, okay? See, here's the truth. I don't know why and I don't know how. God didn't cause that. It wasn't his will, but he's so big and he's so good and he's so great, he's gonna use it for your good and the good of others. I know it. When Jesus stepped into human history, there was a lot of people who said to Jesus, hey Jesus, you gotta understand the ways of the world, right? You gotta win, man, you gotta win. So Jesus is all about military. Get a military together, take down the Roman Empire, take over the world, Jesus, it's gonna be awesome. It's all about, you're so popular, Jesus, um, you just need to use your popularity and just take the world by storm. And, and Jesus' path led a slightly different direction, it led to the cross. It led to the cross. There's a poem that I first heard years and years ago, written by a guy named Jeremiah Denton. And the poem is written from the perspective of Jesus' mom, Mary, as she watches her son die on that cross. It says this, her face shows grief but not despair. Her head, though bowed, has faith to spare. For even now she could suppose his thorns might somehow yield a rose. Her life with him was full of signs that God writes straight with crooked lines. Dark clouds can hide the rising sun And all seems lost when all is one. Let's pray. So God, I want to pray for every single person here today. Every single person watching online right now or in the weeks to come. Father, I claim that promise. That you would work a miracle. That against all odds, that they would live a life that so clearly displays that you write straight with crooked lines. You write straight with crooked lines. You write straight with crooked lines lines and Father I pray for those here or maybe those we know that seem completely and totally lost right now we think of that moment when they took you down from the cross Jesus and all seemed lost you are the God who makes the impossible possible so I pray for those impossible situations I pray for those people right now that maybe even consider themselves impossible. All is not lost. All will be won. Because you are the God of miracles. We love you. We thank you. In your name. Amen. We'll see you next week. Love you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.